head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is severe mma severe mma Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 232 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Borden Barrett of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we look back on a, a pretty a pretty eventful night last night in the world of MMA, Saturday podcast today because... Uh, the, the UFC was on a Friday last night, so we said we'd give ourselves a Sunday off for once in about the last six months. Busy morning as well. Ireland got hockeyed by New Zealand. I spent half the morning making up that new intro there that we <laughs> that we have. Graham, how are you? What's your uh, what's your thoughts on the new intro, the Ireland game, everything? Uh, the Ireland game, yeah. Um, like, you know, it's everybody getting excited about World Cup games, but everybody knows it's all bullshit, the World Cup. It's all about those those friendlies. Mm-hmm. Everybody well, knows. Those test games, I believe, there. Yeah, yeah, test friendlies. Um, rugby people are very sensitive about using the word friendly, but it's exactly what it is. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, but like, like, you know, they can just go back and watch the DVD of the, the friendly victory. Mm-hmm. Isn't rugby like... <laughs> I feel like rugby... Uh, so many rage. People just like yeah. rage, you know, to get knocked out of World Cup and then listen to me talk to Joy. Are, are, they that, even more. are they that rage and all? Like, I feel like a lot of rugby people are kind of like a lot of MMA fans in Ireland where it's like, ah, it doesn't really matter to them. Like, like it matters to us. Well, anything's to... a bonus. Beating New Zealand is like just a massive bonus, but getting absolutely like... It looked like they were going to beat us to, to nail there for a long time time and mm. but like uh, the two of us now it's literally five minutes we're recording this podcast after ireland got knocked out of the world cup like imagine if ireland got knocked out of the soccer world cup and we were doing a foot we'd be we'd be pretty ma- like devastated even even you know we know they're not going to win or anything Our i don't know like if, if ireland went up against what like who's the best team in the world at the moment i don't know uh the france let's say brazil france one of them in, in in a world cup quarterfinal in ireland just after losing to Canada or something mm-hmm. like Japan or whatever, and then and then they go and get hockey. Just like ah oh, well, obviously. Yeah, but we'd still be kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Like we'd still be like if if Liverpool lost in the Champions League game, you came on five minutes later and did, you'd be devastated. Like or Man United lost, yeah. and Limerick lost, Hurling, we'd be like we don't really care about rugby that much. Like I like rugby, I like to watch it and stuff. I go to the odd game, but it's only the friendlies we care about when we yeah. win. No, but <laughs> I I really think there's there's obviously a, a you know a, a rabid fan base of rugby fans like the you know the private school boys and stuff like Niall McGrath who love rugby and you know live or die by man. it. Yeah. Exactly, but mostly for people, it's just a session on a Saturday night. You know, you go with your girlfriend with matching scarves to go and watch the the rugby in the winter. Like that's all it is, really, rugby. So, you know, <laughs> I just isolate loads of the fan base here. Sorry, but yeah, I, I don't really care that much to be honest. I I like if they wanted to be great. Rugby's one of those things you can celebrate and it's great. But if they lose, yeah, well, like if in Ireland, it's like if if a team does well or an individual does well usually they'll get like the you know you don't hear anything about the Irish cricket team until they win a game that they shouldn't win and nobody cares until that and then the like hockey team the women's hockey team recently mm-hmm. never heard a word for fucking 10 years about them and then all of a sudden they win a game that they shouldn't have won and everybody's like oh this is I always liked it, women's hockey. That is true. That you know, true. so people will, will jump on and off the bandwagons pretty quick, like mm-hmm. like you have just done with, with Ireland, and like I did yeah. a few years ago when I got bored of rugby. Yeah. I, I, so, I, so, I like, rugby just, like, you can't even tackle properly anymore. Wow. Like, the, the rules Game's change gone. every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. How are you meant to keep up with, with all the, yeah, like, you have to be studying. the Like, there's rule changes in soccer and stuff, like, and some, like, sometimes the odd time it can be, it can, there can be a lot, like, VAR coming in or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to keep up with rugby rules. Like, how was that first try for New Zealand where the guy clears out the rook from the side? How is that not a, a foul? Like, yeah, that's that was always a foul. Mm-hmm. And like, you're allowed headbutt people in the arm while they have the ball. And, and that, and Nigel Owens, like, it didn't come off his head. It's like, so he headbutted them to yeah. knock the ball. It's just, like, you're not allowed to do that. Well, like, like, maybe the rules have changed again. They change every 10 minutes, but um, I never remember being able to headbutt people to get the ball out of their hand. It's like The one where Peter Romani went in to clear out the rock and they're like, oh, he led with his shoulders. Like, what, what's well, that he was supposed stupid. to? I think uh-huh, that was just frustration, but that was just stupidity more than dangerous. But uh, no, it, it, the rule I, is the I rule. Think, like, I, I didn't know that was the rule, but that is the rule. No, but I think the VAR, the rugby VAR, has absolutely destroyed 
destroyed the game. I, like, I think the, the unbelievable over-the-top uh, <coughs> strength and conditioning has also destroyed the skills of the game. I, I don't think it's that much of a skillful game anymore. Now, the New Zealand are unbelievable, and they have the skill and, and the strength as well. Uh, but, like, I remember the days of Carlos Spencer and all them boys. It was a beautiful game to watch. Like, it was a lovely game to watch. But is it anymore? I, uh, I don't really watch that much of it. When I do watch it, it's all, like... It's just bashing up through the... It's more like rugby league these days, I think. It's, I think it's just... Well, anyway. Look, whatever. Uh, <laughs> run, there's no rugby fans listening to this podcast anymore. But anyway, let's get let's get into it here. Um, we have to start at Greg Hardy, I suppose. This was the the big story coming out of last night. Um, Your boy, Greg Hardy. <laughs> my, oh, easy now. Uh, so, if, if you didn't watch the fights uh, last night... So, Greg Hardy took on Bin Sassoli... In a, in a fight where, you know, Greg Hardy looked good, his jab was good, he was throwing right hand down through the middle, Vince Asoli looked live and there all the time, was throwing shots, but getting dominated, you know. Uh, the third round was, was relatively close, I think one or two judges gave Sassoli the third round, uh, but otherwise Hardy kind of dominated the fight and looked good without, sh- you know, looked more slick without showing a killer instinct or without looking like this unbelievable athlete who people think might go to the top. Um, but... That wasn't the story. The real story was after the second round, Greg Hardy. Hold on, hold on. People, on. people saying, people saying Greg Hardy might go all the way to the top. Well, you know, well maybe they aren't, but he's such an unbelievable athlete coming into me. I sp- well, I suppose if you're to look is at it, uh, is he though? I don't know. Like, okay. yeah, he, like he, he's like he's he's a better athlete than most, but is he like the best athlete in that division? Who'd be better than him? I don't know. Like, has he really shown himself to be this really good MMA athlete? I don't know. I he like looking at him last night, right? He's unbelievably fast. I think. I think he's like you can't deny how athletic he is to play NFL, even that. But then to you know sometimes Americans go mad and overrate that. But look at look how quick he was last night to get away. Like for someone who's only had what seven, eight fights or whatever he said, six, seven fights to be that. Uh, to have the ability he had defensively last night to pull away like he did, I don't think that's all down to technique and skill. I think a lot of that is down to just quick, fast twitch athleticism. Like, and he, I, I really think to me that was the one thing that stood out last night because I was kind of saying that you know we we'd had this discussion after the last uh, after his last fight, and I think we both kind of agreed that you okay, athleticism can get you far, but is he the unbelievable over the top athlete that will you know that uh, that athleticism will take him through even when there's a technique deficit? But last night I think okay he had the, the better technique, but I think the athleticism showed through as well. I think he is a top athlete. Like, and the thing about Hardy as well is with what comes with him with the you know the, the the baggage that comes with him obviously with the the domestic abuse allegations and stuff from before maybe you know when i say there are people thinking about him going to the top maybe if he didn't have those that baggage with him people would be saying that so maybe they aren't saying it but they probably should be saying it in terms of if it was you know i don't know some very very good american football player come over and transitioned to uh to mma and you know took it seriously like he seemed to have done for the last 3 years People will be talking about, geez, he could be a world champion. He could be really good. He, could, you know, gets to seven and zero or seven and one or whatever he is now. Yeah, maybe nobody wants to get behind him because you don't want to be the guy backing the guy with That's a lot of heat. Too, but, yeah. you, you know, like I don't know anything about this case really, to be honest. Like in Hardy's case, but like there is an innocent to the proven guilty thing, like as well. Like mm-hmm. and people always seem to assume the worst of of everybody uh, and assume that they did these things, but the. Uh, <sighs> It's 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 just that people don't want to attach themselves, I suppose, to to him. But I also think that it's a bit early to be like you know he has a lot to prove. Like he's took a little step up there, but you know it, in the end it's a no contest. So mm-hmm. on the record, he didn't even win. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a long way to go for him. Like to be to in my mind anyway to be considering him. Like you know if he goes in there against Francis and Ganu now, he's just getting absolutely polaxed. Yeah, that's true. So so what did you think of the whole inhaler situation? I, I'll just explain it first if people <sighs> if people didn't see it. So. Uh, he sat down after the second round between the second and third round Greg Hardy um, he you know had his water and whatever there was like 10-15 seconds left in, in his time in the corner uh, he goes to his uh, corner man you have my inhaler I think and then uh, he goes like yeah and then he went to like the security guard from the commission who was standing there and he was like can I take this inhaler uh, and I don't think your man said yes per se and he was like are you allowed and Greg Hardy was like oh it's USADA approved 
and then he took it out. Your man Din, Din Thomas took it out of his pocket, gave it to Greg Hardy, and he took two or three puffs from the inhaler. I went back to fight. Right. What are your thoughts, Greg? Before uh, before I get into it, what do you think? Well, if he if he feels the need to to take the risk of using it, then it must be beneficial. He must find it beneficial or think it's beneficial. So it, it's. Should, I don't think it should be allowed. Like it's a bit ridiculous. Uh, he should have known and that he was taking a big risk doing that. Um, it's just it's madness, really. What's yeah. he doing? There's, there's like he, few... if it had no benefit, he wouldn't want to take it. Mm-hmm. Like, so it definitely has a benefit in his mind, anyway. Yeah, like is it, is it a drug? Yeah, is it performance enhancing? Yeah. <laughs> so like, and I I don't think that's actually the major issue here because. Uh, the thing is, you know, the they say it's whatever's in the in the um, in the inhaler is not illegal. You can take it, but you know, coffee isn't illegal. But you can't have a cup of coffee in the middle of the the cage. Like you can't have a can of monster in the middle of the cage. <laughs> you know, you can't have a ham sandwich in the middle of the cage. You can't go like Stone Cold Steve Austin and get two cans of beer and shove them into your face in the middle of the cage between rounds. Like you just. You can't do that. If it, you wanted to drink a beer in between rounds, you think you, you wouldn't be allowed? You're not allowed. You're only allowed to have water. Now, the problem with that is that that's in the unified rules. That's in, like, the ABC rules and all the other rules. But I was looking up the uh, Massachusetts State Athletic Commission where it was last night. And that's the important rules that you should look at. And uh, um, Eric McGracken, I think, or is it Aaron? Uh, uh, you know, the, the guy on Twitter, anyway, the, the lawyer guy who's a very good guy, good follow. He was, he was looking them up as well, and he couldn't really find the rules. But... I feel like in this situation, that's like a common sense rule that we, if we're looking and we need to find an exact thing written where you, oh, you can't have a fucking ham sandwich in the rules and you bring out a ham sandwich, oh, it's not written in the rule. Like, <laughs> what about a pepperoni sandwich, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Like, I think it's, I just think it's ridiculous. You're just getting absurd in a, in that situation. But, like, there, there's a thing, there's a, a couple of ways of looking at this because, Look, Greg Hardy shouldn't have done that. It was a 100% cheating. Even if, like, and I I, I said there earlier, it's a, a drug and it's performance enhancing. I, I actually don't think that's a great argument. I think you leave that to the side, right? Just the fact that he took an inhaler in there <laughs> and he went out. And it's going to help him to breathe, like, you know, this is... He, he must have known it was a risk because he was even yeah, asking, oh, can I take this? He was unsure himself. Like, well, I don't know why he would do that. Yeah, like... He got a complete advantage over Bin Sassoli. Just an absolutely, com- without a shadow of a doubt. Like he said afterwards, it helps me breed. I've had asthma my whole life. Now, that's fair enough. If he has asthma... I think it's going to be a DQ loss or a, a no yeah. contest as well. I, I, like, why is it a no contest? I, I think it should be a DQ, to be honest. Like, it's, it's, yeah. The reason it's a no contest, I think, makes sense. Because the referee didn't see it at the time or whatever. He didn't acknowledge it. He didn't give it. So the fight ended. The fight went on. So I don't think you can go back and retrospectively change it to a DQ yeah, at the second of the, the at the end of the second round because the third round happened like went out and happened. One, so, once the decision is announced, I think it's yeah. Yeah, so I think the no contest at the end of the day is the right call. But why in that situation isn't like the video ref <laughs> brother? Why why isn't the commission calling him up saying this guy just had this stop this fight right now? It's a disqualification. It's over. You can't do that. Like. The, the, and I think the biggest shining light here, as well as they're the, too busy eating their ham sandwiches, probably. The <laughs> that's it. But the, the, the biggest problem here, I think, is when you look at that incident a few weeks ago with uh, what was it deal with the the IPOC and he gave him five minutes and everything like that. It's like you look at the rules and the rules are written weirdly and you can't really see the exact rule and there's two different rules and I'm taking from this rule instead of taking from that rule, even though this is the way the rule is always normally written. I think the rules of him, uh, the, the, not only, you know, state-by-state state rules, but the unified rules. Okay, what we need to do is get everyone under unified rules is the first, well, the second thing. The first thing should be get unified rules for every situation, every little intricacy. You need, like, you know, section 14, part A, part 1, you know, section B, you know, you need... Like, for example, what was it? Was it Ellenberger? His his foot got, like, stuck yeah. in the side of the, the, the canvas, between the canvas and the cage. Mm-hmm. And I think he ended up getting... Did he end up getting TKO'd? Yeah, he, he lost because of it. Like, they, they didn't allow him to stop because of it. Like, there's... 
it just okay there's situations we're going to meet where we've never seen this before but someone bringing an inhaler in like that there should be someone watching him there should be someone you know direct either the ref should be watching him or the second ref or whatever in the corner at all times and we should be calling things like that up you know if it's in the rules there should be you're only allowed to have water you're not allowed to consume anything else during the round only the cornerman can only have water and the cutman has everything else, whether it's the you know the Vaseline or the inswell or whatever. Like I really think, okay, we could talk about Greg Hardy and he, you know him playing the game and him getting caught for it. And he made a you know he made a bad fuck up. He's cornerman Din Thomas. He should have known way better. He shouldn't have done that. You know if it was just a big fuck up. But I I really think the the big issue here is the rules and the rule book and like this is. It's unfortunate for MMA that these issues keep coming up. Like, we've had two of these in the last month where we look at the rule book and go, oh, the rule isn't even there. What are we supposed to, you know, are the rule is all muddled up? We don't even know what rule we're, we're looking at. Like, it's, that's a big problem, isn't it, really? It's another problem with referees not really knowing the rules that's or not well, yeah. abiding by the rules. <laughs> like, yeah. what was it? Was it Herb Dean? Um, a couple uh, weeks back, yeah, it was with the oh, yeah, the eye, the, the Jeremy. Actually, it was the Jeremy Stevens year here, the first fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't really, he either didn't know the rules or he didn't follow the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were kind of saying, ah, oh, well, at the time you're kind of hoping he didn't follow the rules, but that's not really the way rules and referees are supposed to work. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. yeah. Like he was, I don't want to criticize him too much for that at the time because. You know, he tried to keep the fight going, which, and I think common sense is the best rule, is the number one rule you should always have. But when it's in the rule book like that, and that's the way it's always refereed, if you referee it a different way, it's, you know, it's terrible. And like, I think this, you always talk about, you know, GSP with the grease in and all, and that changed MMA because at the end, after that, only the cutman could do it. And that maybe it wasn't straight away, but it was, you know, shortly yeah, after. It's been that. way too long since I mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a fair. But I feel like this is. A situation where people will be, you know, looking for it now. People will be uh, in the corners. Will be really watching out for things like this because, you know, or, or could other lads try it? Um, will they be warned about it? Will this be written into all the rule books immediately? You'd hope it would be, and you'd hope this is kind of changes the game so it won't happen again. But look, anyway, um, right. Let's let's move on. You you mentioned Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens there, and this time we we had a fight. You know, the last time it was only fifteen seconds. It was an eye poke. It ended quickly. Um, and this time the, the fight went went all the way in the first round Yair Rodriguez came out he was throwing loads of variation that front leg side kick uh, to the knees was absolutely brilliant he dropped Jeremy Stevens with a jab and Jeremy Stevens didn't really land much in the second round Yair landed a huge liver kick almost TKO Jeremy Stevens I thought it was going towards a 10-8 but Stevens came back hard and he was smashing Yair near, near the end of the first or near the end of the second sorry and I think he got the 10-8 back and it ended up a 10-9 and then Stevens was landing in the third uh he got a takedown or, or two landed big elbows and it was you know it was close to a 10-8 i think um but i think that it was a fair uh, a fair decision for um Jair rodriguez to to win uh to win 29-28 really fun fight wasn't it this was kind of the fight we were hoping for the first time yeah and another two rounds would have been nice as well <laughs> i think they should start doing more of, of it doesn't have to like why does it have to be a main event or i know it's only it's actually probably years now, but it seems like recently that they only made it uh, five round main events that aren't title fights. But they should just, if there's a big fight like that, or, you know, okay, these ESPN cards, a lot of the time they don't have a fight worthy of a five round fight. But if a fight is worthy of, of five rounds, like uh, you, th- you think it's a really good fight, like this year, Rodriguez, Stevens one, they obviously thought it was because they made it a main event before. Mm-hmm. They should just make it a five round main event, like, or five round co main event. Um, I think for some situations they should, but not for this one because this they had their camps. Then they came in in this what was a three three weeks note or something after the camps. I think that's unfair to put. Them maybe into the game plan changes though if you're fighting three rounds or five rounds. It does, but I just feel like you know the preparations were halted when you have a you know you'd probably know better other people listening to this podcast might know better than me what goes into preparations and tapering off and getting to fight week like i think it's tough to do that again in the space of three weeks after you've just done it you know to make weight again to get your weight back down to get your you know your cardio your conditioning or whatever back up all in that short space to make you fight five rounds in i think that's tough now for other situations I, I wouldn't go too far on it, to be honest. I mean, we've had this conversation before years and years ago. You know, we've been saying it for years. Um, I think I think in, like, non-debatable number one contender fights, I think it should be. 
I don't think Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens was that, so I wouldn't have done it. Like even watching it, you know, last night after the third round, I was like, ah, shit, I wish this was five rounds. But that's that's not always the case. I, like I, I don't know how how far are you going to take it? Then like how far are you really going to take it? Like there, there's some fights like you know women's featherweight, women's strawweight fights that could be on their prelims. That could be a close to a number one contender fight, or a, a flyweight fight. It could be close to a number one yeah. contender fight. Well, maybe you could start off just with co-main events in in pay-per-view cards, or if there's if it's not a title fight, or just like a, a big fight, like just as you say, maybe a, a number one contender fight, or a, a grudge match, or a rubber match. You know, something on a special occasion. It doesn't have to be this steadfast rule that you can't have yeah. five five minute rounds. Uh. Outside of a main I event, or I think that's fight. dangerous as well, though. Like, which fights you pick, and then you know, you're just running by the seat of your pants. Then I think. Yeah, why not? I, I don't know. Yeah. MMA running by the seat of his pants, like yeah, a, it is the true, way it I goes. Thought, but I don't know. I feel like if I, I really, I'm really against every comment event being, or every pay per view comment main event even uh, being a fight round fight because that's gonna fucking drag. Like it doesn't have to be a everyone. lot. Of, yeah. oh, there's a lot of things yeah. gonna drag. Them cards. Imagine they're sitting at fucking, you know, five o'clock in the morning when there's two heavyweights coming out. Pay per views though, they don't have, they don't have, TV, they don't have to delay it as much as when it's on TV. So. Yeah. The no, pacing's no. A, bit, a little bit better, but I understand your point as well. But some fights, you just you think oh, this should be five rounds. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I suppose for for Yair, you know, he'll move on. Uh, Max Holloway is going to be fighting uh, Alexander Volkanovsky coming up here in a, in a not too far away. I don't think. Then you have Calvin Cater is fighting um, Zabit Megamed Sharapov over in Russia coming up soon. That could be a number one contender fight, maybe. Uh, Yair is around there as well, so there's you know maybe the winner, the you know the winner of those two fights fight each other for a, a shot at either Volkanovski or Max. So it's you know it's a good time for the featherweight division. This is the featherweight division I wanted over the last few years. <laughs> you know it was held up so long with you know McGregor going up to one fifty five and then Aldo getting two shots after Frankie getting the shot and then Frankie getting another shot as well. Obviously we had the great Ortega fight uh, in the middle of that and. Uh, but now I feel like this is the real new 145 pound division and there's brilliant guys coming through. I'm really looking forward to seeing all these guys fighting each other and fighting Max Holloway and Volkanovski and everyone. So I, I think it's a it's a great time for 145 pound division. Um, we'll get the rest of the card, I suppose, after. Let's talk about the, the main event first. Um, and I suppose we let, leave the main event until third because it was it was a bit of a no contest of, of a main event, I suppose. Um what happened at the very start was kind of what I what I thought would happen. Chris Weidman went straight across the cage, went for a takedown, ducked under a big shot, got the takedown. Uh, um, Reyes landed a nice elbow as he was trying to take him down. And I think there was fingers in the eye even at one stage as well. But Weidman managed to get him down. Reyes too strong though. Got back up, got his back to the fence. He did a great job. He raked Weidman's fingers against the fence. Dominic Cruz called. It was a great call. Um, uh, and then he got a, a little bit of a knee in the clinch. And I think that was kind of the start of it. Um, that that knee kind of woke Weidman up a little bit. Uh, Reyes managed to get out. Weidman threw a 1-2. And what always happens when Weidman's coming forward throwing a 1-2, he got countered straight down the middle. Um, Reyes had a lovely parry with the, the lead of Weidman, or the, the, the backhand of Weidman even, uh, and countered him straight down the middle and knocked him out with a, with a hammer fist. A brutal KO. Good stuff by, by Dominic Reyes, but... Chris Weidman isn't Chris Weidman anymore really is he yeah we talked about it before like um, just since that loads of times since that Rocco fight he just it's just nowhere near the, the same fighter like and uh, like okay couldn't wait like you know it's it, sometimes for a lot of fighters it has been a, a solution to kind of not do that as much and move up a, a weight class but me and you kind of both said before that it's just it, that's not the problem here the problem is he just can't take the he can't take the shots he used to be able to take and and he's just he's just not improving at all um since back what the Anderson Silva fights like you know mm -hmm. uh, back then when he was beating like Mark Munoz and Anderson Silva he, he, he's nowhere near that guy anymore it's just it, it's just uh like obviously he had he, he came in he, he was undefeated he beat Mark Munoz without uh, Mark Munoz landing a strike and he beat Anderson Silva twice and people kind of tried to kind of take that credit away from him because of what happened in the Anderson Silva fights but he won fair and square in both fights in, in my opinion and uh, and you know they kind of he was kind of like you know unstoppable mm -hmm. but then it just all kind of fell apart in in that one one fight 
yeah. against Luke Rockhold. And people say, oh, he drew the spinning back. That wasn't that. Like he was already, he was already, um, he was already losing that fight. Like, and he kind of, that was just kind of like a Hail Mary thing nearly. And if the fight had been stopped when it should have been stopped, maybe, maybe he would have taken some time off, come back and been the same. But you can't take that damage. You just can't. It's, it's, it's a, it's career changing. <laughs> like, it, 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 he's lucky it's not life changing, you know? Yeah. And I, like a lot of people have, yesterday, especially my, I, you know, I asked uh, for, for a questions for the podcast and, Three or four people replied saying, "Oh, it just so happens that Weidman lost out when Usada came in," and that could be a part of it too. Who knows? But uh, who knows? But there's look, that's evidence that we can't. He's never failed the test. We can't say he was on drugs and he stopped the second Usada come, came in. But what we can see is that Rockall fight. Like maybe people take it a bit, you know, like we're just being oversensitive and stuff when the fight. Well, you like get that, the sense. You get to desensitize to the, to yeah. the damage. Like watching them a lot, like me and you do, but mm-hmm. even watching that fight, you're like, stop this fucking fight, like you 100%. know. Hundred percent. It was like the Gifford fight last week. Like, or watching that could be a game changer. His chin might never be the same again. And like, whatever you say about Weidman, he always, you know, he had a good chin. He fought Anderson Silva. He took some big shots against Anderson Silva. Fought Leo Machida. Took some big shots as well. And he, the fact that after that, you know, if you look at his athleticism or whatever and he gets slower or whatever, then you could maybe point to something else. But when it's just he gets tapped in the chin and he gets knocked out. Now, last night was a little bit different, but in, in fights before that, it's a, his chin has 100% diminished since that fight. You can see it falling off a cliff after that fight. It's There's absolutely no doubt about it. Like that, And I, I don't know if people maybe... Are, like in that rock fight he showed an insane chin like he took exactly, like yeah. he, um, nearly anybody else would have been would have been out yes. like would have been at least like completely like unbalanced and falling all over the place but he just took them but there's only so many of them you can take especially like you know they always talk about how dangerous it is once you're concussed to take another another blow mm-hmm. and another and another and about a hundred more yeah and like it, it was crazy. The thing I think people maybe forget that fight as well. Maybe people need to go back and watch it. I saw someone tweeting about it last night saying, "Oh, he was in a fight of the year contender against Luke Rockhold." He that was a one-sided beatdown. Like he got fucking destroyed. He nearly got killed. Like he was absolutely smashed to pieces. One of the worst beatings I've ever seen in the UFC. I remember talking to someone uh, uh, about it afterwards. Someone high up. And they were saying to me, like, they've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of fights. And there was maybe one or two, like, in fucking, <laughs> you know, like Fedor in, in Russia type of type of lads, you know, uh, fucking Kadyrov's boys in, in their backyard. And they're getting fucking smashed. And <laughs> the referee's afraid to stop it and gets, he gets fucking clipped <laughs> after, after the fight or something. And, but this was one of those, like, just Herb Dean, I don't know what he was doing. And, you know, I was uh, absolutely wrong. This was last night, you know, he got hit with a good shot got knocked down and he got hit with that hammer fist and it was one of those ones where you just he's out after one hammer fist and he takes a second hammer fist and you know I'm not I think it was actually Herb in there again I'm not criticizing him or anything he got in there and he stopped it fair enough but it was it was just on it was sad seeing him there like it was it was really sad and the thing about Chris Weidman as well if we look at his skills he's a very very skillful fighter and we said it last week i think skill for skill he's better than reyes uh you know light heavyweight obviously is going to be a different kettle of fish for him moving up uh, i thought if he could take him down and take him down and take him down he could win the fight he took him down once and he couldn't hold him down and the second he got in the feet he he got kind of beaten but i think overall and it's another broader picture maybe a discussion we could have for another day but I said at the time he got that Anderson Silva fight too early and I look like an idiot because he knocked him out. You know, he won the fight and then he beat him a second time. Obviously, it was a, an odd situation with the broken leg or everything like that. But I think maybe looking back, maybe him getting that Anderson Silva fight at that time was a little bit too soon. Maybe he needed to develop his game a little bit further to be getting into fights like the Leota fight, like the um, Rockhold fight where he could have maybe have been developed three or four fights more and being better in those fights. Now, he won the Leota fight, but I thought that was close when a lot of people saw. Uh, I think in, if he had a bit more development coming into that fight and in the Rockhold fight, and, you know, this is, as uh, as you say, being the being the general after the battle, I suppose, it's easy to look back on this, but I really think he could have done with a little bit more seasoning, and that Anderson Silva fight maybe papered over a few cracks. Uh, he was a very good fighter, very good skills, but the seasoning, I don't know, was it just there? And I think he's shown the ill effects of that now. Five knockouts in the last six fights. Do you think it's time for him to retire? It probably is, but uh, like realistically, but there's no chance. Mm-hmm. Like 
so there's no point even talking about it. Yeah, there there is no chance. I don't know what I really don't know what he can do because he's you know his skills are still there. He's he still looks fast. He still looks do you like think you could take like a extended time off, just not even from the gym, take time off even from the the gym and just recover, yeah. <laughs> recover his brain. Yeah, my too. He hasn't fought that much though. He's only he's only won once in the last four years. And I think he's only fought like five six times. So he hasn't fought that much. So, but maybe you know, maybe he could just talk, take a year off and see where he goes and reevaluate the situation after that and see how he gets on. But yeah, I don't know. Um, what would you give that? Ra- you for a year. Yeah, ah, sure, doesn't work. Uh, what would uh, you give that rating? <laughs> One through ten. It's past like a four, four. Four, yeah, four even. Rookie score. Rookie score. I'm, I'm going four point three there for that one, but uh, I, I just because Reyes, I, f- I feel like Dwightman is a story coming out after, and that might actually hurt Reyes as well because you know people are talking about him maybe finding John Jones next. I I think the fact that Weidman looks so bad, not so bad, but got beaten so badly, it almost looks like it's a Weidman lost rod in a Reyes win. Do you know what I mean? Like even though it is a Reyes win, but the way it's kind of narrative Most coming people, out after. Though, like casual fans who like maybe would watch a John Jones fight probably think, oh Weidman isn't he the guy you? beat Anderson Silva or Maybe. you know they, they might not they probably won't know that he's like you know getting knocked out all over the place now mm-hmm. that's true that is true um, so yeah, I'd still rather see Johnny Walker though so hopefully uh, <laughs> well not hopefully but Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson that could be good like Corey Anderson could beat him and I think after that then you might you might see Reyes in because I, although Corey Anderson's an Ali Abdelaziz fighter so he might uh, he might get the shot but who knows um, Joel Ozan then came back in the in the the fourth in the <laughs> yeah. top, and uh, half Nelson, fucking hell. That, uh, that was crazy. It was like a pit bar. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It was some window. He looked good, didn't he? Like last week, we talked about John Beers. I watched a couple of his fights, and he's a very forward and straight back fighter. And Lozon just came in and he started throwing hooks, and that's, that's a perfect game man against a guy like that who just fights forward and back, and it worked really, didn't it? Yeah, well, like Lozon's very like limited on the feet. Like he doesn't really move his head, and his, his punches are a bit wide and slow. Like, but he's he's obviously uh he's very game <laughs> and he's experienced, and he had a good game plan, as you said, and he's obviously very good at jiu-jitsu as well. And um, I thought he would lose this fight because I thought he was just like in recent fights he just looked so shot, so over the hill. But uh, like he's he's obviously he proved he's he's still dangerous. Uh. If if you're not in your game or you're not quite up to, quite up to scratch, then he's he's, he's going to dominate you. So uh, it was an important win for Joe Lozon, really, because uh, like if he had lost that, where did he really go from there? Yeah, that's true. Like I thought that would have been the perfect time for him to retire. He wins at home in front of his Boston crowd, a first <laughs> round KO, an absolute domination, a brilliant win. And Joe, uh, Dana White said I'm back, afterwards, baby. <laughs> Dana White says afterwards he had an agreement with Joe Lozon, win, lose, or draw. He was going to retire after, and then he didn't retire. I was like, ah, oh, what the fuck? Like, come on, Joe, that would have been the perfect time to cut off your things, your uh, your gloves, lay them down in the octagon, and walk away into the sunset. Like, yeah, and then fight four months later for Bellator. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, good to see Joe Lozon. I've always had a soft spot for Joe Lozon. Always an exciting fighter. You know, Charles Ross earlier on the card as well. He's a Joel Lozon type of guy never going to win a championship or anything like that we'll lose a lot of fights but yeah. always exciting. Lozon like you know he's all, like a lot of exciting fights a lot of fight bonuses like uh, fight night bonuses which uh, which is obviously like especially back in the day when when, when Joel Lozon was kind of first coming on the scene that was like a lot more than your, than your, uh, than your payday mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly so uh, he, he obviously he obviously um he he's been an exciting fighter for years. Dana White obviously kind of is known for kind of liking these guys, and uh, Dana White obviously was saying, as you said, that he made an agreement to retire. But Dana White has been around long enough; he knows that nobody retires in MMA. That is true. That's a hundred percent true. Um, we talking about that is <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then uh, Macy Barber, she looked really good as when moves. Uh, I think she's hit no now undefeated. Beat Gillian Robertson. Just absolutely decimated her inside a couple of minutes. Came out just moving forward, throwing big shots, uh, and knocked her out. You know, we talked about Macy Barber before, and I suppose we'll be talking about her a long time. Uh, uh, you know, in the future, 
21 years old she's looking to beat John Jones's record as the youngest UFC champion ever I think you know take it slow with her as well maybe look at a little bit of Chris Weidman and see the you know getting in there too quickly she called out Paige Van Zandt next I'm happy enough with that if they you know, they're not, maybe they will make that fight actually because Paige has only one fight left in her deal uh, and uh, she, you know, she'd probably go to Bellator her husband's there and she sponsorships and stuff you know we talked about that a few weeks ago on the podcast so maybe the UFC will be anxious to make Macy Barber versus Paige Van Zandt so Macy Barber can go in and destroy her and you know make uh, make kind of a big name for her so for the UFC for Macy Barber that fight makes lots of sense get her more schooling in there as well get her more experience maybe a, a co-main event or a main event even um and uh yeah I think that makes a lot of sense for both of them now from a competitive point of view maybe not because I, I think she's a lot better than Paige Van Zandt but Paige is tough as well you know she's showing that she's not just you know, she's not just someone who taking selfies on Instagram. You know, she's shown in fights before that she's very tough. And you know, Gillian Robertson is tough as well. And make no make no mistake about that. She beat uh, Molly McCann, who we saw earlier in the car. We'll get to in a second, but um, very good win for for Macy Barber. Um, then Darren Stewart versus Darren Wynn. Great judging decision here. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Darren. Yeah, yeah, the first, the mm-hmm. first, uh, the first for uh, Win. What's his name again? Win and the next two for Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Like. Win uh, Win got some good takedowns in the first. He landed a few shots. He got tired midway through the second, and Stewart started landing lovely shots down through the middle. The start of the third, Stewart was absolutely dominating him. He looked like Cub Swanson against Crone uh, Gracie, just jabbing and moving around, stopping every takedown. Then he went for a takedown himself, oddly, and landed on the bottom. But Win didn't didn't do enough when he got on top. Just didn't land that many shots. Actually, landed one big one when he got back up. But Stewart had been smashing him for you know three minutes of that third round. There was no doubt about that. Go go and look at them made decisions and look at the people who scored after win and those people you should never respect their opinion again because if they can't judge that, that was that's the sort of fight you know when people know what they're talking about or having the clue. Re- that really is that third round. Are you putting uh, yourself in? Uh, has a clue? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm I'm fucking a genius. Sure, I wouldn't trust you to judge a hot dog contest. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I wouldn't either as well. Yeah, look a very good win for uh for Dar- someone someone said when I tweeted out my score. Sure, oh yeah, of course a Brit would say that. I was like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally biased towards Darren Stewart. Yeah, I'm a big bias towards him, but yeah. Um uh, then on the undercard is my boy Charles Rosa came in and got another win after being out for ages. A verbal submission there, great uh, great submission win for him there. Molly McCann looked, I thought she looked very good. In the first round, I was like, ooh, she's taking a few shots there, maybe not moving her head all that well, um, getting hit a bit. But the second round in, there was a, a 10-7 round. The ref took a point because... Um, grabbing the cage. Grabbing the cage in an arm triangle. He separated and put her back in the arm triangle, which was, I thought, good. Although, I would have liked to have left them go let her you know, let the submission develop and afterwards take the point yeah it's yeah. like in soccer or football when they just the like, yeah. you know, disadvantage and then be you know he's coming by kind of points at the player and he's like I'm coming back for you mm-hmm. exactly yeah I, th- I think he should have card, like, and, yeah. Yeah. but at least he put him back in and your most refs there will just put him in a clinch or put him standing so at least he did that so I won't you know I won't give out to him too much but I think that'd be if he'd left it go and, and took take the mind afterwards but Molly just destroyed her there once she got on top I said at the end of the, the first round it was a ferocious pace and I was tweeting it as she kind of got the takedown if she goes for takedowns here to fight as hers and that really ensued after that uh, in the third in her corner and it turned out to be right but I, I thought it was a bit odd they were they were saying um, oh stick and move don't bother with the, the wrestling and the grappling anymore even though she got a 10-7 round in the round before that for doing that uh, but she did well, and I thought the third round she struck a lot better she did, than she did in the first round. Her head movement looked a lot better than it did in the first round. She kind of got into it, and uh, maybe that's something actually fighters and fighting her in the future will look at. Maybe she's maybe not a, a slow starter, but takes a while to get into her rhythm and to to get to where she can get to. But you know, we've talked about Molly McCann in the past, and sometimes she doesn't set the world alight, but then sometimes she looks like she's a real prospect. And here, especially in that second and third round. Um, she looked good and you know Molly McCann is a good prospect coming through if she can keep improving I think she's three wins in a row now after losing to Gillian Robertson in her UFC debut so if she can keep improving you know she's still green enough she's still raw enough even when she won the cage wires title she was still green and she's only four fights since that so another couple of fights here and uh, Molly McCann will be moving up and you know she seems to have the right attitude she seems to have uh, the the you know people back in her Leah McCourt I know is always around with her training with her as well for Ireland so that's good for for Leah and for Molly as well to have you know two people like that uh, together training so 
yeah, good time for for the Evertonians. It's, it's odd to see an Evertonian getting a win, isn't it? Don't see many of them these days. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. They won the transfer window, though. So yeah, forget did. about that. That's yeah, a, four transfer windows in a row they've won. So yeah, uh, we did a Man United versus uh, Liverpool preview as well. It's over on uh, Patreon if you want to hear it there. So we won't bore you with soccer talk here. But um, the rest of the card, we're going to run through pretty quick. Sean Mudson. This is a guy you have to be looking out for. He he reminded me of Conor McGregor against Marcus Brimage coming in, throwing those knees up through the middle like McGregor throws, throwing those uppercuts, switching stances. He's more of a southpaw, but he broke his hand in the first. And I didn't really, I didn't recognise it, but uh, in the second and third, I was thinking to myself, and I think I tweeted as well, it's like, he's not throwing enough jabs to get off the cage here to be, uh, you know, at the moment he could obviously change that and become a lot better, but his skills other than that I thought were fantastic, and then he said he broke his hand, I was like, okay, that explains it, that's why maybe he wasn't throwing as many jabs. Like, this it's guy, good when he shows versatility when you're mm, able to disguise a broken hand as well, like... Uh, yeah. Some guys they break their hand and they're they're good at their good hand, their best hand, and they're done. <laughs> they have nothing. Yeah, that that's it. He you know he but he looked really really good. And if you didn't see this fight, it's well worth watching because he's this guy's a, a prospect and I think he's undefeated as well. And Kyle Bosniak has been around for a while. And he's good a first name as well. Yeah, in, in, indeed. As has Sean Brady, who uh, was good. This is the start to win. Over a Court McGee unanimous decision in a kind Court of Court McGee though, like it's hard to look good. Like yeah, like in was it the first round he dropped Court hard? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And he's hard to put away. Like you know, uh, it's hard to look good against. He, he's he's been there. He's, he's a lot of time in the cage. He's crafty, but he, he did show that he's clearly better than Court McGee. But it's it's, it's one of those like. Maybe not the high level of Asensio in the uh, in in the past, but uh, hard to look good against. But he's up there, Court McGee. Yeah, a hundred percent. And when you go to a three round in kind of a a battle of attrition where Court McGee can win, that says something about you. You know, for, forget about the skills, forget about you know where where he can go as a prospect and stuff. Just that alone, I I think you know like like we talked about on a different level, I suppose. With uh, Adesanya versus Gaslam, he can get through that fire to get five rounds. You know, obviously a, a much higher up different sort of test but this is this, a sort of test where this is a this shows where the guy is and shows where a guy can go to get through something like this to beat a guy like Court McGee it's a good litmus test uh, so Sean Brady is, is a prospect coming through as well and I think maybe his next couple of fights will be um, will, will tell more about his actual quality and everything like that but he has the heart and he has the, the balls to kind of to get through it so, so well, well done to him uh, Randy Costa got a good win as well TKO and lucky not to get the fight night bonus uh, afterwards Brendan Allen and Kevin Holland put on a, a fantastic fight ended in submission and uh, Tanner Bowser beat Daniel Spitz I didn't see that it was a heavyweight fight win three rounds so it was probably shit um other results from the week, uh, as we were recording the podcast last week, uh, Brandon Vera lost to Ong La Nassang, um, Shinya Oyoki got a Darshok again, seems to be beating everyone, Bibiana Fernandez got a win back against Kevin Bellignon, Arjan Buller beat Mauro Sorelli via unanimous decision, uh, May Yamaguchi won in that one card as well, and in the PFL playoffs were, were on, PFL is on Air Sport in Ireland now, uh, was on YouTube last week, which is very which unfortunate. Which nobody has anymore. Nobody has, you know, if you're listening outside of Ireland. So the UFC was, was on BT Sports, which is part of Air Sport Package in Ireland. Then the Air Sport Package lost BT Sports, so every MMA fan cancelled it. Like, every MMA fan. There's nothing on Air Sports anymore. Especially now, the, actually the World Cup was on it, but it was on RTE as well. But now that the World Cup is over, Ireland got knocked out of the World Cup. Like, everyone, not a, not a person would have, there's no need, there's nothing on it. Like, there's absolutely nothing on it. No MMA fan has it anymore, so... There's probably like eight people watching those BFL cards, so it's it's very unfortunate we can't watch them. But uh, Ahmed Aliyev got a win there. Daniel Pineda got a very good win. A guillotine against um, uh, Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, Chris Wade uh, got a good win there as well. Uh, Lance Evans uh, and there was you know there was some good fights. I watched some early ones. Lance Palmer uh, won as well, and Andrew Harrison got choked out by Alex Gilpin. Uh, in which was a uh, you know a very very good uh, very good submission there. So fair play to all them lads. Congratulations to everyone involved. Well done. Right. Um, next week's card. I I'll ask you what you think of this card because I I've kind of put my uh, my thoughts on this out there and people disagreed and everything. Weidman or uh, sorry Askren versus Maya. What do you think this fight will be like? What do you think will happen? It's a tough one, but I think I think Maya is going to submit him. Really. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he's going to be. Um, if Maya wants to keep it on the feet, I think he's a lot better on the feet. I think Askren, if he if he shoots across the cage like just wildly against against Maya, he'll just get stuck in a guillotine, or 
something will go terribly wrong for him. Um, I know it was a long time ago, but wasn't he like training with with um, was it Marcelo Garcia? Uh, I don't ben know. Askren, and he was getting submitted all over the place, all over the place in a, in a video. And I know that's a long time ago, but Maya's a master of MMA submissions. I know he's an old, he's old, and Askren's coming off a, a devastating knockout as well. So I see him. Well, I, for some reason, I think he's going to put in one of his desperate takedown attempts and just get caught in something real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. He's I not like, going to want any part of the feed, like, uh, even more no. than before now, I think. Yeah, the, the thing about... And he's already desperate enough with his takedown attempts. Like, they're, they're, they're all over the place, like, some of them. Yeah, the thing about when you're fighting Damian Meyer, right, you're like, your all-out objective is to avoid the ground, like, no matter what. Like, Damian Meyer is a... Is an unbelievable jujitsu artist, that, and you know, but that can't be. I, and yeah, I know that that can't be the plan. That's not my fight. It, it's the exact opposite for Vin Askren because if he stands with Maya, he's just going to get destroyed. Now Maya is no great striker or anything like that, and we haven't seen that much of Vin Askren. But Vin Askren's any bit of striking we've seen has been atrocious. He's horrendous on the feet. Maya hasn't terrible striking. He's a good jab and can hit one twos. And if it stays on the feet, it'll probably yeah, Maya win no fight or anything. But mm-hmm. he knows how to throw basic punches. Yeah, and. Askren really doesn't, but what? Well, he's never he's never proven it. Maybe yeah. he does, but he's never shown it. Like mm-hmm. to me, like what I and why the main reason I think this fight will be terrible is because uh, okay, if if it stands up, I think it'll be horrendous because Askren can strike and Maya has okay striking, but no knockout power, and it'll just be a boring kickboxing fight between two st- um, grapplers. But if it goes to the ground. For the reasons you said, you fancy Maya just to submit him straight away. Like, I think Askren will be ultra, ultra, ultra defensive on the ground. Just not even try to pass guard. Don't put himself in any bad situation. But it's at not all. a style. He goes through it. Even when he's in side control, he'll go for like a weird transition with a shoulder lock to like the other side. Like, you know, he'll just do these weird things. And it's just his style. Maybe he can, he can shut that down for this fight and just play it really safe. But I, I just don't think he's that kind of fighter do you remember the early days he kind of was like that though like everyone used to call him G- GSP. yeah everyone's yeah. calling him boring like yeah, he used to was just lying lads and do nothing like that was his style at the start but he, he would he would try weird he would try to like you know he'd, he'd like maybe go for somebody's back and take his hooks out and go for like a you know he do strange things even in, in those fights just to kind of be different nearly or it's just I, I think it's just his style but um I'm interested in this fight just because I'm interested to see like if like I'm not ruling out completely yet Van Askren shutting down my on the ground like mm-hmm. uh, like you're probably not either you said you just doesn't work so um, uh, I'm interested to see how it looks like it probably won't like as you're saying it probably won't be a fight for the ages or anything close to it it'll probably be one of the it could be one of the worst fights on the card but I'm interested to see how it, how it looks and it's an important fight for Ben Askren, and I know I know Maya's old, and but when you when you did jiu jitsu, like you know, it's kind of you know you don't really need like to have like great speed or anything to you can probably do it to a, a, a an older age than if you're if you're a, a striker, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough it's a tough fight for for Askren after uh, after getting knocked out. I know it's, he doesn't really run the risk of getting brutally KO'd again, but. It's still, it's no easy rebound fight. Mm-hmm. I like, this could be a great fight. Like, and people may think, oh, I hate grappling or whatever. But I, I don't. I love grappling. I love when it's good, exciting grappling. Like, if Astron comes out and has his style like that, where he's attacking and moving and trying to pass guard, I think it'll be a brilliant grappling match. Because Maya's a fantastic grappler as well, obviously. And I think that'll be brilliant. It, you know, that It could be fight at night if that happens. It'll just be an, a brilliant ex- um you know, um, scrambles on the ground and, and, you know, look lads looking for takedown or looking for uh, submissions and looking for big shots if you're asking. So it could be brilliant. It has the makings of being a fantastic fight. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, I really don't know. Like, will, will Askren take those chances? If he does take those chances, it'll be great. But if I'm looking at it from a tactical point of view, if I'm looking from Ben Askren's point of view where I just lost, I just got knocked out in the quickest knockout of all time, do I want to go in there and put myself in a situation where I could get submitted? Because then you're in a situation where you got lucky to win your first UFC fight uh, when, you know, the Turb Dean made another fuck up. Um, 
your second UFC fight, you're the fastest knockout of all time. Your third UFC fight, you could get choked out after being, uh, you know, after after being swapped for the greatest fighter of all time. You make like that. That's for someone like Ben Askren, who's talked a whole load of shit about him being the best fighter in the world. That would be a very, very bad look. And there's no doubt he's thinking about things like that as well going into this fight. I, f- I feel like this will be, he'll take him down, he'll lay on him, he'll lay on him, he'll lay on him, he'll do nothing, he'll get stood up, he'll take him down again, he'll lay on him, he'll lay on him, he'll lay on him. This is the, the type of fight I could see getting stood up, stood up, stood up, five or six takedowns in each round, and it being a boring, terrible, rubbish fight. That's the sort of fight I really think we could see. Just just absolutely nothing happening. If Maya lands a few elbows from the top or from the bottom, he could win the rounds. You know, one of those fights. With a, with a weird judging decision even maybe and that that a lot of people will complain about that's the fight I see here I hope I'm wrong I hope against hope I'm wrong I hope it's a brilliant grappling match with submissions and big ground opponent someone gets submitted or someone gets knocked out or something like that I just I don't think it will be I, I and I'll give you my opinion now you could I could sit back here and say oh it's going to be a great grappling match it's two of the best in the world and it'll be brilliant I just don't think that'll be it I could be wrong you know I'll come on here next week and I'll say it if I'm wrong I'm wrong every week I was wrong about Weidman I thought Weidman would be able to take him down and, and possibly win but I just don't see it I hope I'm wrong but I don't see it anyway um, other than that in the card not a great card to be honest um, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering what you're gonna what fight you were gonna go for there <laughs> other, <laughs> elsewhere on the card uh, yes uh, there's other fights uh, the one I'm looking, most looking forward to I suppose is Cyril Gagne the, the heavyweight prospect coming through looked look very good in his uh, in his maiden mm-hmm. UFC bout uh, he's fighting some lad Don Tale Myers who I don't know who, who that lad is but uh, Muslim Salikov on the card as well Michael Johnson Stevie Ray which could be a fun fight uh, Michael Johnson back at lightweight. Uh, Frank Camacho versus my boy Benil Dariush. Let's see how big Benny is looking coming back here. Uh, Randa Marcos, Ashley Oda. I was like a bit of Randa Marcos. Uh, Henrique Barzola is fighting here. Maurice Green and other people are also fighting on the card. Anything there in that undercard that is worth talking about or you think might stick out? <sighs> no. No. All right. Fine. Not really. Let's be honest. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's a bit of a Bellator Bellator undercard going on there. It really is. is. Speaking of uh, Bellator, there's two Bellator cards coming up next week. Uh, The best of which, I suppose, is... um, uh, is Rory McDonald versus uh, Douglas Lima in their rematch uh, of, a, of a, a fantastic fight that happened was it last year or sometime recently anyway I, I went back and watched that fight uh, during the week and it was it was a very very good fight to you know t- to go back and watch when you're looking at the the upcoming fight uh, because you know at, at the very start Rory McDonald was kind of dominating it he was landing his jabs he was leading the dance he got, got the fight into the clinch was winning the clinch took him down loads of times was dominating on top but Lima's leg kicks really told as the fight you know uh, went on Rory couldn't really walk forward anymore he couldn't really land that jab and couldn't lead the dance because of those Lima leg kicks and uh, you know when you're an A to B fighter it kind of benefits Rory and Lima kind of is that um, but the fact that he has big power as we saw against MVP he can use those leg kicks with the way judging is scored now with the way fights are scored with power meaning more than maybe takedowns and landing jabs and things like that it's it's always going to be a close fight and it was a close fight between the two of them I think in the end Rory's wrestling and his time on top won it because he took away Lima's kind of ability to land those big strikes but coming into the second match Rory McDonald thinks maybe change since in Rory was talking about retirement and he had a few bad performances one one good one as well I think in there but you're looking forward to this fight how, how would you see it going yeah, well, Rory's another one that has taken a lot of damage. Uh, <laughs> we talked about Whiteman earlier. That Robbie Lawler fight, like he took a lot of damage in that fight and kind of crumbled in the end. And you know, as you said, he's had a couple of good wins since then, but he hasn't looked the same to me. He's had a couple of bad performances, very bad performances as well. He's obviously a very well-rounded, good fighter. Maybe not spectacular anywhere, but uh, I'd probably just lean toward against Rory towards Lima in this one, but. I think it's probably going to be another very close fight, another probably decision. Yeah. Could be 48, 47 either way. Could be. I, I just lean towards Lima as well. I feel like there was a couple of stages in that fight where Rory's wrestling saw him through and maybe when Lima was about to take it to maybe the next level of damage. Mm, I feel like that'll be hard to avoid in a second fight when they know each other better and when he'd be better 
maybe not prepared for his takedowns, but will maybe be able to see him come and be more used of where the takedowns come from. And I feel like if even two or three less takedowns, and it'll you know it'll be a big advantage for Lima. But I'm really looking forward to the fight. I think it'll be, I think it'll be very very fun. Um, other than that, Paul Daly fights Sabah Hamasi on the card. Uh, you know, Sabah's been around a while. We know Paul Daly brings big left hook. He'll probably go and try to knock him out, uh, as he does. Uh, Vitaly Minikov versus Javi Ayala. Uh, Robin Van Hoosmalen is on this card as well, which I'm sure people know. And uh, other people as well. Patrick Mix is on is on the undercard here. I believe it's on topology. I thought there was... I don't know, was it him or his opponent got injured? Or maybe that fight is off, so... I'm not 100% sure on that one. Nick Newell looks like he's on the undercard here, according to topology as well. So, uh, looking forward to seeing him back as well. Always fun to see uh, to see Nick Newell on uh, on these uh, on these cards. Uh, Bellator 232 is also happening as well. And that's going to be Frank Mir versus Roy Nelson. What do you think of that one, Graham? <laughs> the long-awaited rematch. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Um, I don't care about that fight at all. What, what, like, does anybody care about that fight? No, I don't think. No, not one. I, do, I know they're like ex UFC guys, and Frank Mir is an ex UFC champion and all. But are people getting? Are casual people getting? Casual, casual fans getting excited about that fight? Mm. Do you know the, the, actually, it's two three three. Sorry. Do you know the best thing about uh, Bellator two three two? It comes on the same week as the Severe Mail podcast episode two three two comes. That's I think that's probably the best thing about it. Are we gonna catch the UFC soon? Are we gonna? Um... I remember. Yeah, I used I to know all the numbers when I, for years watching MMA or watching UFC and MMA at the start. I, mm-hmm. I could tell you the numbers of events, no problem. But now it's just <laughs> no idea. Yeah, oh, it's actually two, three, one. The it's too many. The Mir Nelson fight. Mir Nelson is first two, three, one, and then it's two, three, two. The other one. So yeah, Mir Nelson. Uh, yeah, who cares? Um, Phil Davis is fighting Carl Albertson. <laughs> Ed Root is back. <laughs> Beck Rawlings is in Bellator now, apparently. Oh, Jake Hager is fighting in this. How is Jake Hager fight? He's in AEW now, the wrestling. So he's on that like every week. Uh, and he's fighting here against Anthony Garrett. So, Jesus, that's that's tough for him. But look, fair play. Yeah, Bobby Lashley, did he, did he do a similar thing? Was he still pro wrestling when he was, mm, he was uh, fighting yeah, Bellator or Strikeforce or whatever it was? He was in TNA. But I'm pretty sure he used to like, take time off and you know do, do other things while he was... Um, while he was, uh, you know, while he was wrestling and stuff, so our, he used to take time off from wrestling when before his MMA fights and things. So, yeah, but look, you can do it, I suppose, especially when you're fighting cans like Jake Hager is fighting. But look, fair play to him. Um, anyway, uh, one more thing before we go, uh, Aspen Lad, did you see that she she um she put in a request to have her fight overturned against Jorinder and me. I thought it was a bad stoppage, to be honest. Uh, but I never thought it was a bad enough stoppage for it to be overturned when we've seen the rules that they've yeah. put in before. We've seen, like, you know, for one that comes to mind is Gunnar Nelson getting, like, his eye pulled out of his head by, <laughs> by Ponce de Bio, and mm-hmm. you can't, it's extremely, extremely difficult. You're just wasting your time, basically, Yeah. to get but things overturned. I think the notable thing about this is she kind of said it, uh, she, her argument was, like, gender, and it's uh, fights for women are stopped quicker than fights for men. Um, which isn't a, actually a bad <laughs> argument at all. We, you know, you've especially have said that before in this podcast. Even the Gillian Anderson, uh, Macy Barber fight last night. Gillian Anderson was kind of still thrown. It's so obvious. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. so obvious. Like you know, like you know, would Weidman Rockhold or ever happen like in in a women's fight? People would be, be way more outraged. I think as well. I think the referees probably subconsciously, if not consciously, take into account just the reaction and and also it's maybe it's a and another kind of subconscious thing but whatever it is anyway it's it's obvious to me and in my mind it's it's clear that women's fights are stopped a lot earlier yeah a lot of the time they are 100 percent. i think that's something you know we always talk about um referees and maybe getting bits of additional training and taking breaks from from the refereeing game for a while and getting back and getting maybe fresh maybe this is a thing they need to have a meeting about maybe this is a thing you know mike mazuli needs to send out a memo about as well that you know whether it's a men's fight or women's fight you referee it the exact same way and th- it's funny because we talked about this loads of times before on the podcast and it's it's uh, good that it's coming up now and it's been a discussion kind of everywhere else but this is definitely a trend and i'm glad, glad people are seeing this trend and it's it, it's definitely a thing and that fight i don't think it's the greatest example of it to be honest i think there's better examples of it in the past and we've talked about them on the podcast i think that was just a little bit of an early stoppage we talked about it at the time um but yeah i'm glad that conversation has started in in the the kind of 
the mainstream MMA. I see it being really frustrating for like you know somebody like Aspen Lad, and they see men getting treated differently, <laughs> like in the fight, giving more of a chance. Like it's it, it must be frustrating. Yeah, I can see why she'd be pissed off, but 100%. you're never gonna get it overturned. No, so maybe no. she just doing. Maybe she knows that, and she's just doing it more to get people talking about it more, make a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, right, let's let's answer one or two questions here uh, before we go. Sean Dinny, who did the flying kung fu kick better, Yair at the start of the fight or Eric Cantona? Oh, that's a tough one. No, I think uh, Eric Cantona had maybe more damage on his own <laughs> than, than Yair's. But uh, and a poor old woman. Yeah, that poor old woman. That poor old woman. Um, uh, how much criticism do you give to the corner ref deserve for not throwing in the towel for Ireland against New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, they, they should have thrown it in pretty <laughs> early enough. They should have thrown it in. Oh uh, God, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Graham. Uh, who should be next for Jones, Reyes, uh, Jan, or the winner of Corey versus Walker? Like personally, I want to see Johnny Walker, but. No, that's a big fight for him to win. But if Anderson it? wins, you want to see Anderson? No, no, not really. But you know, that that's a tough thing to say as well because I'm looking in at like personal preference and excitement and stuff. And- yeah, the only exciting one is, is Johnny Walker, and is it really that exciting? Like, I think John Jones. Like, we'll see what we see from Johnny Walker in this fight. But John Jones would have to be a huge, huge favorite in that fight. Yeah, yeah, he he would in all definitely. of the fights, <laughs> in all of those fights, a hundred percent and. I was talking on during the, the week, and you know, he's if if he was to fight, uh, there's a lot of people talking about Adesanya. If he was to fight Adesanya, that'd be the seventh middleweight John Jones has fought for UFC light heavyweight title. That that's that's mad, like or seven. But he just cleared. He, he has cleared out all the other light heavyweights though, as well. In fairness, he, yeah, not, he like, has. He has not dodging people like. But the point is, he's dodging heavyweights, and he's talking about fighting yeah. Rumble Johnson. You're really dodging people if they're twenty pounds heavier in a weight class, not twenty pounds heavier than you, but up to sixty pounds heavier than you. Yeah, you're not. But should he want to move up and and do like should he yeah, want to take the next he, challenge? He kind of started this this talk. Or he started the talk. I'm pretty sure of, or he didn't play it down anyway That's when true. he was younger about That's moving true. up to heavyweight. So Fair maybe game. people have a bigger mm-hmm. expectation. Yeah, he's kind of fueled it a bit, but. I don't know, like, uh, because GSP didn't move up and fight Anderson Silva, is he just dodging people, you know? Maybe, yeah. like, GSP kind of did say he'd fight Anderson at one stage as well, so he kind of brought it on himself a little bit as well, but uh, you don't want to rule out fights either when you're being asked about them, especially big money fights, and uh, I wouldn't be all that surprised if John Jones at some stage just did move up to heavyweights still. Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like now would be a good time. I feel like that Rumble Johnson fight at heavyweight would be a good fight for him. I always thought Rumble was a tough fight for him, but Rumble's been out for so long now. He's blown up so much. He probably hasn't been training. You know, Rumble never likes to train at the best of times. So I think that'd be a perfect fight for Jones if he was to move to heavyweight. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, right, two more questions here before we go. Two from Twitter here, and I'll answer all the rest of them on the q and It'll be out Tuesday morning, more than likely, uh, this week. So if you ask a question on Twitter, if you ask a question on uh, on Patreon... They will be out. You can sign up as well on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast. We had absolutely loads of stuff in the last week. Uh, so you you can watch all those old podcasts. There's like three or four hundred old podcasts on it. You'll get every new podcast that comes up. And in the next week, we're going to have a Nick Diaz career retrospective. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, no need what? on Twitter. I was wondering what you were doing there. Two or five. What? No, two or five, two or nine. Um, Yair versus Stevens. If it was five rounds, what would happen? A lot of people have been asking this question, and that I don't think that's a fair question when you look at this fight. It's a different uh, fight, like, uh, like yeah, yeah. It, it was It'd probably be a different fight, like fought as a three-round fight. Okay, if it was five rounds, you can ask that at the start, or you know, we, if we're looking from to fight in a rematch, what's the difference between a three-round and five-round fight? But you can't say after the three rounds, oh, if there was another two rounds, this is what had happened. They fought a completely different fight. There's no way Yair Rodriguez comes out going absolutely mad like he did in the first round if that's a five-round fight. Just there's absolutely no way. So I think you can, you can put that to the side. Last question here from Team. Remember, Jeremy Check. Stevens doesn't unload as much uh, ex- ex- expenditure in that's the, true, in the yeah. third round as well. Yeah, that's exactly exactly it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, at Switchkick5, friend of the podcast. Following on from a discussion people were having on Twitter, uh, is it common for commentators slash journalists to have travel paid for by promotions? Is it unethical and should it be disclosed to the audience? Graham, what you Is it common? Yes. Is it unethical? Yes. Um, should it be disclosed? Yes. Is it ever disclosed? But like, I'm... MMA is a tiny community, like, and mm-hmm. there's loads of <clears throat> conflicts of interest. But yeah, being paid to give favourable <laughs> coverage is, um, is I think, is 
is wrong. Yeah, like we, we've, we've been offered before. Oh, we'll pay for we, we like we said we can't take money. And they're like, oh, we'll pay for your hotel and we'll get your food. And like, oh, if we're gonna cover it, we'll cover it. Like you know ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, like I think you know if you go to an event and they have you know here there's a chicken curry for you there between the fights. I think it's grand. You're gonna if someone gives you lunch, someone gives you a seat to go and cover the fight. Grand, fair enough. You know. If oh well, like yeah, at the you know, event, like they they have like a bit of water and, yeah. and some snacks for the for the mm-hmm. staff and the media and stuff like yeah. that's a completely different thing yeah I think that's grand but if you go across the road to the Gibson Hotel and they're paying the fucking 300 quid it costs the same night to the Gibson Hotel I think that's wrong because that's a situation where they're paying you to be there like you know and that's a situation where they're you know they're wetting your beak there and hoping that you give them favorable um, coverage and you might be worried where oh if I don't give them favorable coverage maybe the next time they come around I'm not going to get this hotel it happens I know for a fact it happens. Everyone knows it happens in the MMA game. Uh, people don't disclose it. People, you know... <sighs> if you see people like that who don't talk about it, who are, you know, turn up in Japan at these cards, uh, go to, you know, go to cards in fucking Nantucket, and then next week we're in London, and then are on the Bellator broadcast, and they're all over the place, you know, <laughs> and they're calling themselves journalists... You know, you you know, you should know, you should be smart enough to realize those people and what they are telling you shouldn't be as, um, you know, as uh, cared about as maybe people like us and other people covering the sport who do it the right way and who call out people like that uh, and uh, at least try to do it the right way. But however, this is a thing we've had in MMA for a long time. A lot of those people actually kind of fall out of MMA uh, after a while because they're not in it for the right reasons, I suppose. Uh, but look... To stop people like that, you, all you have to do is sign up on Patreon <laughs> and allow people like us to continue to do it so uh, so we can. But however, look, these things happen in MMA, don't they, Graham? They certainly do. They certainly do. <laughs> right, everybody. Thanks very much for listening. That's it. Um, come on, your Reds, tomorrow. We're going to trash the fucking dirty Liverpool bastards. The Reds? Uh, yeah. The Red Devils. The Red, the Red Devils. Devils. That's it, yeah. Sure, look. <laughs> Many of you don't get enough stick for how bad their nickname is. It's, it's diabolical. Do Liverpool even have a nickname? The Reds. They're all the- <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so much better. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? It's Liverpool well, FC as well. It's Liverpool FC come on, come as well. On the Reds. Liverpool is a city. Liverpool FC is the, the football team. So you can't be saying Liverpool. Oh, I sure. support Liverpool. Oh, do you? Why, uh, do you uh, give like, the people on the streets money and stuff? Is that how you support Liverpool? Fucking idiots. Well, did, claiming they were established in, when they were called Newton and Heat and they weren't actually established and they're, they're lying the whole time. Ah, but sure, you can't change your name now, is that it? If you change your name by deed poll to like yeah. Derek O'Connor, are you not the same human <laughs> being like? You're you're a new you're you're the same human being, but you're a new person because person is a legal business entity. Go on, go on. Boom. No. Facts. A lot, lot of shit. They're talking about the possible, same club. Possible fact. A Rangers. <laughs> a Rangers. The they same may, club. Not, may or may not be fact. <laughs> no, Rangers aren't the same club. The Rangers are definitely Celtic not the same are, club, are behind yeah. behind the club that was founded like what ten years ago or something. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's true. It is true. Right, everybody. <laughs> Hashtag Brexit. <laughs> Look, go on. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Tell a friend. Uh, you know, tweet us out. Put us on Instagram. Tag us at SeveraMayPod on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere like that. We'll share it. We'll retweet it. You'll get like fucking a hundred thousand people seeing your your tweet or your Instagram or what? Well, maybe not Instagram. We don't have that many Instagram. We've loads of people on Instagram. Our loads on on Twitter, on Facebook, and everywhere like that. Tag us. Share the podcast. Tell a friend. Tell everyone you know. We need to get the podcast out there. You help us spread the word. And we'll all help each other. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll leave you on the inspirational quote of the week. Every day is a new beginning. Take a deep breath and start again. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or Sunday or Monday. Or Saturday.